Good evening. Welcome to the League of Women Voters of Curry County Candidate Forum. I'm Georgia Nellen. Can you guys all hear me pretty well, or am I echoing too much? I'm sorry. I'll try. I'll keep it down. <laughs> um, before we begin, I'd like to ask everyone to turn down your cell phones, silent them, please. Our um, league president, Alice Pruden, is not going to be here tonight, but I'd like to introduce Dennis Triglia, our voter service chair. So let me begin with the league's mission statement. The League of Women Voters, a nonpartisan political organization, encourages informed and active participation in government, works to increase understanding of major public policy issues, and influences public policy through education and advocacy. The League does not support or oppose candidates running for elected office. Any voting person can be a member of the League of Women Voters. We have both men and women members, and we invite you to join. Membership forms are in the back of the room, as well as a donation jar. That way. Okay, front of the room, excuse me. <laughs> the, the League of Women Voters will be recording this forum courtesy of Carl King. Thank you, Carl. The recording will be available on the League's website, lwvcurry.org, as well as the Go Beach and Port Orford candidate forums held previously. Tonight, KCIW Radio will also be audio taping this forum for airing. It will be recorded without interruption and replayed without editing. We ask that no unauthorized recording take place. And please, once again, make sure you're Cell phones are silent. So let me explain the ground rules for tonight's forum. We have candidates running for Oregon State House District 1, Curry County Commissioner Position Number 1, Brookings Mayor, Brookings City Council Position Number 3 and 4. The candidates have drawn numbers to determine speaker order. Each candidate will have three minutes for their opening statements. Once that portion is completed, we will go to the question and answer portion of the forum. Only questions submitted on the three by five cards you each received will, when you entered will be asked. There will be no oral questions from the audience. Each person gets one card. If you did not receive a card and would like one, please hold your hand up now. Okay. If your question is directed to a specific candidate or office, please state that on top of the card. When you have a question ready, raise your hand and a league member will collect it. Uh, member volunteers, please raise your hands so everyone knows who you are. Okay, thank you. Questions will be given to our sorters who will sort the cards according to office. Then the questions will be brought to me. We ask that you keep your questions in good taste so that important issues can be addressed. Please make an effort to write legibly. Okay. Let me. Okay. Finding my question here. We're going to allow one and a half minutes for each answer. We hope to get through all the questions. 
Following the question and answer, each candidate is permitted two minutes to give a closing statement. You are welcome to stay and speak with the candidates after the forum. Our timer tonight is over there. <laughs> and he will hold up a yellow card when 30 seconds of the allotted time remains, and then a red card when the time is up. Candidates, you can all see the timer? Thank you. I will make sure that we follow the time limits so that we can end the forum no later than 7 p.m. Audience members are not permitted to make statements. Also, we ask you to refrain from applause, cheering, hissing, or booing. At the end of the forum, we'll have a round of applause for all the candidates. So I'm now, we'll introduce the candidates for the November 8th general election in alphabetical order for each office. For Oregon State District 1, Brett Cecil and David Brock Smith. For Curry County Commissioner position number one, Brad Alcorn and Beth Barker Hildago. For Brookings City Mayor, Anthony Bond, Ron Hedenskog, and Candace Michelle. For Brookings City Council number three, Diane Cooper and Andy Martin. For Brookings City Council number four, Teresa Lawson and Michelle Morosky. Okay, now is the time for the candidate introductions. As noted, they have drawn numbers to determine who speaks first. So for Oregon State House number, District number one, we'll start with Brett Cecil. Thank you, Georgia. And thank you, League of Women Voters, for putting this group together so that we can all come and speak to you and get to know you a little bit better and you can get to know us. My name is Brett Cecil. I'm the Democratic nominee for state representative in the first district. I come to you out of California, but I live in Port Orford. I've lived in Oregon for a little over five years. And I came here at the end of some difficult times financially for me and, and having lost my partner where I lived, had to move to a different locale. And I figured I was gonna retire and have a nice easy life living in Curry County. Oh, it, it's pretty good. I enjoy it, but lo and behold, that retirement didn't stick quite so well. Uh, I had a couple of friends that allowed me to come and park my RV on their property, because as many of you know, even now and today, in 2017, I had difficulty finding a place to, to call home. So my friends allowed me to live with them on their property, and I got to know quite a few people in Port Orford, around town. I also um, had the privilege to be elected the chair of Curry County Democrats, which many of you are familiar with. I see a few people here that I know from that endeavor. Um, and I've enjoyed getting to know people on that level. So some of the things that, that I've been learning and paying attention to, I already mentioned housing and some of the difficulties we have there. That is a plank on my platform that I want to give a lot of attention to, something that all of us need to pay attention to. Um, healthcare, uh, mental health care as well. Child care, people care, essentially. And environmental care, our climate needs attention. Our beautiful forests here need our attention. We need protection from wildfire. Really what I'm, I'm looking at doing is making sure that people are supported. I support business, small business, large business, but I don't think that any of our businesses will exist for very long if we don't have people 
that can support them as far as being employees and as far as being consumers and being customers of the businesses. So these are things that I want to look at really closely when I'm in office. I also put an umbrella over my campaign around the um, campaign finance reform. Most of us voted for that, that measure back in 2020. I think it was on the ballot. And I'm disappointed that we still don't have a, a, a good setup for finance, um, campaign finance reform. So I've been taking small dollar donations from, from many of you or people like you. I don't really have any corporate donors and I would like to see that we know who the donors are to, to campaigns and that it come from the people. Thank you for listening to me this evening. Well, good evening, everyone. David Brock Smith, your state representative, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks to the league for putting this together. And it's good to see so many candidates uh, that are running for office. And it's great to always have a packed house down here in Brookings uh, during these processes. Uh, we work for you. And so it's critical to have your questions and input. Um, I've had the privilege to serve um, you all as your county commissioner prior to being in the, um, the state house. And um, as uh, Mayor Hedenskog will tell you, when I was, uh, took office at the county, I was a little arrogant, um, but grew into my role. Yeah, grew into my role um, as your county commissioner and now as your state representative to where um, we've been pretty successful in a, a number of things. Um, healthcare, the Port, of, the Port of Brookings Harbor and issues happening there. I serve as the uh, vice chair of the Energy, Environment, and Natural Resources Committee in the State House, as well as the, uh, on the uh, Ways and Means uh, Subcommittee for Natural Resources and the Ag, Land, and Water Committee and the uh, Legislative Policy Committee. I served uh, for Governor Brown as her pick on, the opioid, on her opioid uh, task force. I serve as the uh, House Republican in the Pacific Northwest Economic Region, or PINWARE. Um, I also serve as the co-convener of the uh, Oregon Coast Trail uh, Task Force and Regional Solutions. And many of you might remember the work that we did with, with, and continue to do with Sudden Oak Death that is a critical issue for Curry County um, and the first of its kind and only that we've, that we've been able to have uh, found nationwide uh, where Senator Merkley and I co-convened a task force together and that relationship has been able to bring millions of dollars to the treatment of sod uh, in Curry County and stop the spread and economic development um, uh, paper uh, product actually that, that shows the, the critical and hundreds of millions of dollars that if we don't contain that disease and what it will do. Um, look forward to the questions and answers uh, throughout, listening to my colleagues here on the stage and, and what they're gonna bring and, and what I can bring uh, I'll be taking notes so that I can partner with them as we've done in the past to move things forward for the constituents of South County and bolster Curry County as a whole and Southwest Oregon. So appreciate the opportunity to be in front of you all tonight. Thank you. I'm going to ask the county commissioners, uh, candidates to speak next and I'll start with Brad Alcorn. However, I'm going to ask the candidates in the interest of time to stay near your seat, but please stand up so they, uh, the camera can capture you as well. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. My name is Brad Alcorn. I'm running for county commissioner. 
And I want to thank everyone for coming tonight. I want to thank the League of Women's Voters, and I want to thank former Commissioner Georgia Nolan for moderating this tonight. Uh, many of you already know my backstory. I'm married to Jennifer Alcorn, Executive Director of the South Coast Humane Society. I am a father and a grandfather, and I am a retired police officer. I've had nearly 40 years of experience doing that now, and I've had a lifetime of making difficult decisions that they impact a lot of people. I want to tell you what my mission is in running for this office. My mission is to protect Curry County from turning into places like Portland, cities that have become overrun with homelessness, crime, and drugs. My mission is to bring back integrity and trust to Curry County government. And my mission is to improve the infighting that's been happening that we've all seen recently. I want to improve that. I want to stop it so that we can move forward, move past that, and move into the future. I'd like to tell you what my qualifications are to stand up here in front of you and run for this position. I am the chair of the Curry County Budget Committee. I've been, in that I've, I've been on the Budget Committee for four years. There is no one sitting at this table tonight that has a better understanding of Curry County's budget and the lack of funding that we have right now. I am a reserve sheriff's deputy for the Curry County Sheriff's Department. I volunteer in that capacity. I understand what our crime problems are in Curry County, and I understand what our dr epidemic drug problem is, and I know what the sheriff needs to address it. I'm a Brookings City Council member. I've been there for a little over two years. And that position has guided me and taught me how to be effective as an elected official in our community. Not just have talking points, but how to actually make things happen in our city. I want you to know that I have a plan. I've been working on it since I decided to run for office. I have a plan to address homelessness. I have a plan to address the housing problems that we have in our community. I have a plan to fund the Sheriff's Department independently from the general fund so that we can free up money for other county services and improve our public protection. I have a plan to protect our children while they're in school. And I've developed a plan to create opportunity for our youth in Curry County, opportunity that we haven't had before through a youth opportunity program. I will protect your Second Amendment rights, and I have a plan to bring a gun range to Curry County, something we all need. My plan, it will protect our environment, it will improve our economy, and it will make sure that our veterans have what we need. I look forward to sharing that with you tonight. Thank you. Hi, good evening. Can you hear me in the back? Awesome. Beth Barker Hidalgo, I am um, here tonight um, in grace and humility, thankful for the League of Women Voters putting on this candidate forum, thankful for everyone who's willing to take on running for office, because it's not easy. <laughs> but um, I want, some of you know me, um, but I see some unfamiliar faces in the audience, so I will tell you my um, background and why I think that I would make the best candidate for Curry County Commissioner. Um, I've been in Curry County in 11th year now, um, and since moving here, quickly dove right into getting to know not just our community, but our region through the Ford Leadership Development Program, thanks to this wonderful woman, Georgia Nellen, here, when she drugged me and said, you have to go through this program. <laughs> 
based on my background. When, when I came here, I came here with a wealth of information, you know, background and experience in emergency operations, planning, training, management, um, all the way from community preparedness on up to um, agency preparedness. I worked with the Del Norte uh, Transportation Work Group, which involved school districts and public transit and small operators to develop uh, emergency operations plans, training, um, and we actually got to, the best part about it was I got to be the bully on a bus ride with a suspicious package. It was a lot of fun. But um, on all seriousness, I became a CERT myself, Community Emergency Response Team member in 2005 as a result of Katrina. It moved me so much to see the devastation that occurred that I moved, moved me right into action and I became a CERT member for the Sacramento Fire Department. Um, since then, I've become a CERT trainer. Um, and provided some training here in our community when I worked for public health. We've graduated a class of 25 um, community members um, out of the SWAC campus here at Lone Ranch. Um, we've also had other classes in Gold Beach and in Port Orford. I think it's important for our community to be as resilient as possible and prepared as possible, whether it be a weather event um, something that we see coming down the pipeline or something that just happens without any notice, we all should be as prepared as possible um, to re recover from these events. Um, and I haven't seen that there's been a lot of support for that kind of um, community engagement in, in my time here in Cray County. In fact, there's been difficulty getting these classes scheduled and getting support from our current um, law enforcement agencies and fire. And I'd like to see us bring those classes back. As far as law enforcement is concerned, I've always walked shoulder to shoulder with uniformed people in uniforms. And I respect anybody who is willing to go towards danger while the rest of us are going the other way. Um, and, and I appreciate law enforcement and will support them. We're leaving a lot of money on the table. Thank you. Now for the Brookings City Mayor, we'll start with Candace Michelle. Uh, Andy, if you can pass that down, the microphone to her, that'd be great, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> I'm a little stuck here. I'm Candace Michelle, and I wanna be your next mayor. Um, I've been a resident of this community since my husband and I retired here at the end of 2004. I'll just talk loud. Um, I love it here, and I always have. Almost immediately, I joined the Garden Club, became a member of the Orchid Club that was here, which was wonderful, and I joined a writer's group. We quickly got to know our neighbors in our quiet little street, and this place has felt like home to me like no other. I feel like I've been in training for this job all my life. From my early 20s on, I've been active in organizing or running community organizations, from childcare co-ops and food co-ops in San Diego, to preschools and city magnet schools in Los Angeles, to chambers of commerce and community theater, and here the local TV station KBSC-TV that was here when I moved here, the Downtown Brookings Merchants Association, some of you may remember that, and the community radio station, KCIW. I was involved with city government, both on the Budget Committee and the Tourism Promotions Advisory Committee, otherwise known as TPAC, for several years. I've also been a small business owner here. 
Uh, we had a coffee shop called Mojo's, which is where Compass Rose is now. Uh, and my production company, Candy Apple Productions, which produced several videos for the city on our wastewater treatment plant and several road projects. I've worn a lot of hats, and I know from the inside out what the joys and frustrations are. One of the most important lessons I've learned over the decades of work, both as a volunteer and as an employee, is to listen and value differing opinions. Some of the best solutions to seemingly intractable problems can come from the most unexpected places. I've learned to hold off judgment and listen to the message that's underneath the anger, the frustration, and the fear. We all want the same thing. We want to live without fear in a community that we love, to feel appreciated and protected, to know that our ideas are welcome and valued, and to have the freedom to pursue the life that we envision. I want that, you want that, we all want that. And I think I can get us there. I'd like you to give me that chance. Please, vote for that chance. I won't disappoint you. All right, Ron Hedenskog. Ron Hedenskog. Jerry, thank you, Dennis. I usually don't need a mic because I've got a pretty good voice anyway. But um, I moved to Brookings when I was 18 years old. I uh, went to college a couple of years, got married, got a letter from the President of the United States asking me to join. I did two years of hitch in the Army and came back and started building a family. We built houses, we raised kids. My wife and I are, have both extensive families lived here. Thanksgiving came around, you saw a full table of people and full table of food and uh, enjoyed all the things that had to do with an extended family. In 2007, I ran for city council. I was re from being on the planning commission, two counselors took me off to the side and asked me to make a run for seat four. In 2007, I did that. Georgia and I were in this room, and both of Georgia was running for commissioner, and we were both in this room doing what we're doing right now. Uh, I spent five years as a city counselor. I was appointed to the seat of mayor and spent another five years as the mayor, elected twice. Took a little hiatus for a year and a half, went back on city council under an appointment, ran for election again in whatever that meant, 2018, won the seat, and um, I'm sorry, I don't know if that's my mic or not. And uh, during that next four year stitch, our former mayor resigned and uh, the city council appointed me back to the mayor position and I've been there since uh, April of 21. I enjoy it and it's been a very rewarding experience. I would recommend anybody that thinks 
that they would never be able to deal with politics. Local government is not politics. It's, it's running a business, it's doing the best you can for your community with very limited resources. And, uh, and it's very rewarding. I would recommend anybody do it, and I congratulate people who have stepped up to the plate, uh, not sitting in the back criticizing, brought themselves out and put them on the line. So uh, with that, I'm down to 30 seconds. What I bring to the city of Brookings is experience and continuity, two very important issues to think about. Without continuity, projects can fall off, goals fall off, and I've been at, right now, about ready to complete in the next few years some of the things that we worked on from 2007 and forward. Thank you. Jennifer, you hear me back there? I think. I understand. Thank you. I'm Anthony Bond, and I'm obviously running for mayor of the city of Brookings, and I happen to be representing the portion of the city that's angry. Uh, I'm running for the sole distinct purpose of stopping Project Turnkey, and the reason for that is quite simple. Since I moved here in 2012, the homelessness has become a major problem, an ongoing problem, a problem that has become violent in some instances, has resulted in an increase in crime. And we literally sat in this room during a meeting and had a representative from the state of Oregon tell us that Project Turnkey was something that we could not stop. That angered, and that angered a lot of residents in this community. And for that reason, I decided to go ahead and run for mayor. I'm retired from the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. I'm a veteran. I own three businesses in this town. My reasons for running are simple. There are three. One is to stop Project Turnkey. Done with that noise. Second reason is to stop the state of Oregon from violating the due process rights of the citizens in this town. You have a city council and you have a planning commission that projects such as Project Turnkey should be going through. And he was very adamant about the fact that we had no say in this project being brought into our community. The other impositions done by the state, obviously, our traffic situation in the middle of town, we arbitrarily changed our speed limits, no rhyme or reason, let's just change them. And obviously our traffic's been impacted pretty well. I drive through the town nine times a day between two shops, trust me. The other thing is I need to get, I think that the city council needs to get back to making decisions instead of kicking the can down the road. Of these, the homeless issue is a major one. St. Timothy's impact on the neighborhoods by inviting the homeless people up there. That has happened a lot. And yes, I have proof of it if it's necessary. That's really not the point. Uh, the impact on the surrounding neighborhoods that we've had. I'm pretty sure there are some people in here that can say that they don't have their children outside running around because of the homeless problem. Uh, the issue with Airbnbs, which we've been dealing recently with the Planning Commission, more that can be done with that particular issue. Uh, the marijuana store placements and rules. I think there's more that can be done on those issues. Um, I happen to respect Ron. I happen to respect Candace a lot. Nevertheless, I think it's time for a change, and that's why I'm ready. Thank you.
Now, I want to hear from the Brookings City Council position number three candidates. We'll start with Andy Martin. I have a much better appreciation of the people in charge of the sound systems at sporting events and concerts. Uh, thank you to the League of Women Voters for hosting this voters forum. Thank you to the other candidates uh, for coming tonight. And most important, thank you for everybody in the audience here. I'm definitely not the best public speaker, so please bear with me as I read from my notes here. Uh, my name is Andy Martin. I'm fortunate to call Brookings my hometown. This was a great community to grow up in and is still an exceptional place to live. Like many of the people who graduated from Brookings Harbor High School, I remained in the community for a few years and then left for better employment opportunities. Even with a successful career elsewhere, I missed Brookings and wanted to return. When I came back, good jobs were hard to find. I created my own job and now own and operate a group of small businesses in Brookings, a bait and tackle shop, a charter boat company, and a river guide service and booking agency. I have five employees and half a dozen contract charter operators. My businesses help provide a livelihood for 12 local families and individuals. One of the main reasons I moved back to Brookings is I wanted my daughter to grow up here. It was important that she could go to school here, play with her cousins, and live in a safe community somewhat isolated from the problems that we see in much bigger cities throughout Oregon and elsewhere. She started kindergarten here and just graduated from high school in June. I am running for Brookings City Council because I feel Brookings residents need a representation from someone who knows the history of the area. Small businesses, merchants, restaurants, contractors and builders, private practice medical professionals, timber workers, commercial fishermen, tourism and hospitality service providers need someone who understands the private sector and will work to make local government an ally and advocate instead of an obstacle. I am committed to keep, keeping Brookings a safe community by supporting the funding and resources needed by law enforcement and the volunteer fire department. I want to help address the shortage of housing for hardworking people who want to live and work here. I want voters to have a choice. Someone who believes in responsible government spending, living within a budget, making decisions, making responsible choices with local taxpayers, property owners, and businesses in mind. I want Brookings to continue to be a great place to retire, live, work, and raise a family. When I talk with residents about local issues, their top concerns are homelessness in the Brookings area, the shortage of pharmacies in Brookings, the impact of government red tape on new home construction, zoning, and the availability of building land and fees and taxes. Some people will not vote for me for saying this, but I do not support opening or building a homeless shelter in Brookings. I, I want to offer a choice. I, I'm, thank you. Thank you. Okay. We'll go ahead and have Diane Cooper. I'm Diana Cooper, and uh, just like I, I want to echo some of the things uh, stated by the fellow candidates here, that I'm very grateful for the League of Women Voters, and I'm also most grateful for all of the people who stepped up to run for office. This is the most that I've seen run for city council in a long time, and I've been following for a long time. Um, I know a lot of you, I see a lot of faces I haven't seen in years, and uh, a lot of uh, people that I know really well here. Um, I am from Brookings. Uh, I share a lot in common with Andy. We both grew up here. 
Um, I graduated Brookings Harbor High School, married uh, my husband out of high school, and we have four children that are sitting here in the audience. And I struggled a lot here when I was younger. Um, I struggled a lot with our lack of social safety nets, and I myself ended up homeless and in my own addiction. And we were not able to get services here, so we left our community. We spent seven years over in Jackson County. Uh, we were able to get on our feet. We were able to, uh, I went to school. I graduated over there with my associates in social work. I am currently working on my bachelor's in business administration with a minor in public health. I study economics, and these are kind of the areas that are most exciting to me, and one of the reasons why I wanted to run for city council. Um, some of the issues that I hope to address, or at least hope to bring representation to, are health, healthcare. I think the biggest mistake is thinking that local government has little control over the health and well-being of its citizens as a side to just public safety. Um, what is we, it is a well-established fact that personal health is made up not just personal choice, but also by factors in the environment, and this is called the social determinants of health. This is our libraries, this is our schools, this is our natural environment, and all of the things that make up our health, personally, and as a community. Zip code has the highest weight in determining insurance costs in a community, because insurance companies have determined that that data is so concrete that they can project spending based on your zip code. So I wanna bring a health on focus, um, excuse me, a focus on health, and this includes increasing public transit, which I currently weigh in on on a regional level, access to healthy foods, access to public facilities, safe and affordable housing. Um, some of the other, I, I won't be able to address everything here, but some of the other things I'd like to address are development. I have a history with development, I grew up um, in a contracting family, and in 2008, when we had the Great Recession, a lot of developers left the area, and a lot of families like mine lost their job and their income. And so I want to focus on development and bringing developers to the table with government, with organizations, and determining what kind of uh, services we can provide. Thank you. Okay, for uh, City Council position number four, we'll start with Michelle Morosky. Hello, I'm Michelle Morosky, and I'm glad to be here tonight. I'd also like to thank the League of Women Voters for hosting this forum and inviting me to participate. I have a long history in Brookings. My grandparents ran a successful blogging company for over 40 years. My father ran a success, oh my goodness, sorry. Public speaking is not my favorite thing, or the, my best um, talent. Um, a successful accounting firm for over 40 years. Um, this is my hometown, um, and I'm deeply invested in our community. It's my love for our city that's driven me to get involved in our local government. I started my service to our city as a planning commissioner. As a local re real estate agent, I felt like I had a unique and informed um, perspective on planning issues that are dealt with by our commission. I enjoyed my time on that planning commission. And when the opportunity was presented to um, become part of the council, um, I was happy to do that and saw that as an opportunity to give even more to my community. 
As a current city councilor, and in the future if I'm lucky enough to continue in this role, I'm dedicated to maintaining public safety, addressing our housing issues, and cultivating responsible economic growth in our town. We're also experiencing issues with harmful drugs affecting our citizens and our youth. Um, and we have a lack of services available to provide the help needed for those issues. It's important to me that the City Council continue to offer whatever support we can to bring the necessary services to our area. My job as a real estate agent puts me in contact with many new and potential members of our community. Many of my clients have searched up and down the coast looking for the perfect community. I've heard over and over again that when they drove into Brookings, they found that this is that community. Many of them are leaving large cities and the issues that they face there because they don't want to deal with the issues that places like Portland have. I think that says we're doing something right here and I want to continue to do it. Thank you. Sorry, my chair was stuck. Okay. Um, <clears throat> some of you here know me. Some are saying, who is Teresa Lawson and why is she running for city council? I moved to Brookings six and a half years ago from Tulsa, Oklahoma. My husband's coworker told him about this great little place on the Oregon coast. Dan started researching following the weather and years later we moved here. I worked as a financial accountant and auditor for 20 years in Oklahoma. When we moved to Brookings, the pilot newspaper had a calendar of events. It listed almost everything happening in the area. The first year we immersed ourselves in every concert in the park, every festival. I also attended city council meetings and learned how Brookings is a small community, provides good water, sewer, public safety, streets, and parks. My financial geek side listened. I asked questions, I researched, I asked more questions about the city operations. My assessment is the city of Brookings does a great job in all of these areas. Chief McRae has been with the Brookings Police Department for 20 years, 40 years as chief. Tony Barron, Director of Public Works and Parks, is continuously seeking grant funding for better streets and parks. There is one area the city of Brookings has not addressed adequately, affordable housing. And this one's big. That is the primary reason I want to represent the citizens of Brookings. Housing has been an issue for years. It has gone from bad to worse. Brookings is at a real crossroads. Do we continue to let housing become even more expensive and drive out our local residents and our workforce? Or do we realize that the housing market in Brookings is following the trend of most resort towns and seriously consider what other communities have done successfully to provide affordable housing for its police officers, its teachers, nurses, restaurant workers, basically everybody that has a job. I have heard that the city has done everything they can to promote housing. I don't agree. They haven't. I have studied other communities that are of similar size, also popular, majestic, touristic places 
that become not just where people visited, but people moved to, driving up prices. I was one of those people six and a half years ago. Brookings is a great city, we've all said that, but we must become proactive. And we need housing to be affordable to John, who's 22. His dad's always worked at the mill. He wants to work at the mill. He can never see himself getting a house and raising a family and working in the mill like his dad did. The American dream's not there. Thank you. Thank you. So now we are going to the questions to be asked to the candidates. You'll have one and a half minutes to respond. And I'm going to start off with questions for all the candidates. And I'll start with you, Representative Smith, and we'll just go down the line here. And uh, if you want to hear the question, please ask. So the question is, what type of solution or plan do you plan to introduce and execute if elected in regards to youth services and our culture? It's a good question. Um, when it comes to youth and childcare, I was able to get $250,000 to Central Curry to deal with, uh, for them to stand up a, um, a replica of the, what we did over in Coquille in the early learning division. Um, I was able to get $100,000 to the South Coast STEM Hub for their South Coast uh, coordinator uh, for CTE and, and uh, career-coordinated learning. Um, a big proponent and have uh, future legislation that actually uh, that I've already dropped and filed that uh, will be moving forward in 23 to make sure that we can fund those CTE and career-coordinated learning uh, programs within uh, our communities and my district and, and of course um, Southwest Oregon. Um, really what it comes down to though is it, it, it really takes an opportunity, if we can fund it, it really takes an opportunity and partnerships with the business community that's willing to offer those partnerships and we can get some paid internship programs going to where we can have a little bit of money that also incentivize these kids to get involved early and have a little uh, coin in their pocket. And so those are just some of the ideas moving forward and some, some of the things that I've already done. So for youth and childcare, childcare being one of those care issues that I wanna look at, I think everything's happening locally. We see a lot of local candidates here. Again, thank you all for, for running for these seats. Not an easy job. I'd like to bring our schools and our park systems together and see if we can't make something work there. I know that the state can certainly hand and push some, thing, some things down, especially funding, to help our local communities put activities together for our kids to get them involved in our local communities. That's where I would start, make it a real simple idea. Not get too involved in it, Let's keep it local, like we do with all of our things, is the people in our towns that know their towns the best and know their communities. So I would be working with you, trying to figure out what the best ways would be to pull our kids together and give them some youth activities. As far as childcare goes, again, I think we're gonna run into the similar thing that we run into with housing and with our mental health care system that we need buildings, places to put these uh, different projects and programs. So 
I'm going to come back around to the housing issue again and building. We're going to have to really work on that to make sure we have a place to have childcare and to have our kids. Thank you. So I, um, when I was doing my schooling over in um, Jackson County, specifically, uh, I stated my degree was in social work, um, but specifically that degree is in family support services, and I spent a lot of time um, in early childhood education and early childhood development and family uh, case management, just learning about how um, childcare systems run and operate and how they work and how to bring people to the table. I. Um, was part of a small cohort of four other parents that brought the first uh, parent education cafe to Jackson County that still happens to this day. It's a two-day event where parents can come and um, learn more about family dynamics and learn more about early childhood and their own children and their own lives. Um, I also was volunteer for the Southern Oregon Early Learning Services Hub for six years. Um, alongside several other amazing parents that represent military families, families with disabilities. Um, and we, in partnership, that's where we created those parent cafes. Um, I also am at a lot of the tables right now where funding is being discussed. And I can tell you, as we speak, there are thousands of dollars not coming into Curry County for childcare and for youth activities because there's nobody at the table. And I've reached out to a lot of those. Every time funding comes up, I reach out uh, to potential childcare uh, providers, and we don't hear a lot. And so I'd like to know what more of those issues are and why we're not starting more childcare. As someone who has children, this is very important to me. Well, we're fortunate to live in such an area that has abundant outdoor recreation opportunities and is a great place to raise a family, and specifically for the city of Brookings to, to help encourage um, youth activities uh, and making uh, or enabling Brookings to be a safe place to raise a family, uh, we need to fund law enforcement, we need to fund public safety, and uh, a big issue a few years ago our kids should not be afraid to come to the library when there's people in tents and uh, abandoned cars living in the parking lot. So uh, the city uh, uh, needs to do whatever it can to make this a safe place to raise families and also not create obstacles for businesses that create jobs for people to make a living as they raise their family here. I'm gonna laugh a little bit because I'm a little bit beyond the child rearing age, but I spent my time at it in Brookings. Uh, I was involved in 1993 when we built Kid Town. I have supported the swimming pool as a counselor and as a as a father for many many years. Uh, City Council has done extensive improvements to Azalea Park. Uh, as I mentioned, I rebuilt Kid Town. We are now currently looking for funding from the state parks to rebuild it again. Uh, and that's been my involvement with uh, family-related issues in the city. Kind of going off what Ron did. Ron's done a lot for the city, and I have a lot of respect for a lot of what he's done. Um, 
But the issue with the children also has to do with the recent COVID pandemic and all the kids being locked up in their homes. And after school programs that are going on right now, specifically the athletics are extremely expensive, uh, especially for a lot of the people in the town. And I think this, uh, the city specifically should be looking into some of those COVID funds and start getting these kids back out of their houses and into these athletic programs. Um, improvements to the pool definitely needs to get done. And also the mayor prior to you was looking at another park and I would like to look into that as well. So. So this is very interesting to me because one of the things that I did um, when I was young was uh, put together childcare co-ops. We were a group of about 20 people who wanted to go back to school and we all had small children. So how do you take your small child to school? Well, you don't. Um, so we got together and formed a childcare co-op and it was extremely successful. And as a result, quite a few of us got degrees and went on to higher education. So what I know is that the city of Brookings is basically run by volunteers. I mean, literally run by volunteers, right? The people who are on your city council are volunteers. The people who are on your commissions are volunteers. Volunteers who want something are willing to do what it takes to get it. You've seen that countless times. I mean, Azalea Park was one of the prime examples. So I think that what we need to do is look to our folks, look to our people. There are ways of doing it. We just need to have the conversations about it. Hello. Um, as the mother of four grown adult children and two grandchildren, um, youth services is important to me. It's, it's something that I've spent a lot of my life um, involved in. I created PTOs for our schools. I was on those boards. I was on site councils. Um, it's, it's a very important issue to me. I think the way the city supports our youth services is by providing and maintaining our, our spaces, our parks, our recreational centers. I think we collaborate with, um, with parents and with other organizations that, that provide youth services and we, we collaborate with them and provide our public spaces for them to, to utilize. We improve those spaces based on their feedback and things that they might need to make um, more youth services available. Um, I do think that youth services in Brookings are pretty good. Um, maybe we need to have more uh, affordability for some of the fees. That's definitely, I had not heard that before. Childcare. Childcare is hard in the big cities. It's hard everywhere. I cannot imagine being a parent and having a child that I needed childcare for in this town. And then after COVID, um, we definitely need to do more. And babysitting co-ops can be a great solution. We have churches all over town. In bigger cities, churches are where you get the best childcare. 
and they partner with another agency sometimes. They've got all those classrooms. You have to do some modification. But we have some pretty nice churches in Brookings, and I think that would be a great option. There is a lot of money out there, but we have to have the people and the infrastructure here to handle it. And we don't have housing. We don't have workers. We just are really in trouble. So it's all tied together. It's all economics. And if we can just work together, county and city, on this, because this, this is another really big one. Okay, you want the, the question was, can you repeat it again? What type of solution or plan do you have to introduce or execute if elected in regards to youth services and our culture? Okay, so um, right off the top of my head, I would say we engage with our school districts, we engage with South Coast Regional Early Learning Hub, um, South Coast Business Employment Corporation, um, SOIB, Southern Oregon Workforce Investment Board, all of those agencies have focus and funding for, for a variety of ages for our youth in our community. And the ability to, to work public-private partnerships um, to develop uh, pathways for um, uh, career paths for our junior high and high school students and then what I would recommend is that we would go back to working towards a strong foundation for public health programs. We had home visiting, cocoon, babies first, under public health. All of those are revenue generating programs that were taken away, taken off the table under new leadership about seven years ago. And then we started hearing the cry of we can't afford public health. Well, no. You cut all the revenue generating programs, which is home visiting, wrapping our families with the supports that they need to raise resilient children and to, to enter our schools and enter um, secondary education with a plan. So my plan would be to bring all of these people around the table and develop programs. Thank you. I have uh, developed a youth opportunity program for Curry County. It's a two-phase program. Phase one is to uh, bring back the Explorer program with our police department and get our, get our young folks involved in the police department. Phase, uh, also in phase one is to do the same thing with our fire departments, to bring back an Explorer program with our fire departments. I have reached out to our active military unit in our, in our area, which is the United States Coast Guard and I want to start a junior ROTC program with them. Phase two is to take that concept and expand it into our trades and partner with our junior college and our high school and develop people that are, our young, our young people that are uh, fluent in repairing cars, in carpentry, in welding, in electric, and partner with our stakeholders in the community like Andy Martin in the fishing industry. And, and expose our kids to, uh, to potential jobs. I remember the first time I put a uniform on and the pride that I had with that. And we need to instill that pride with our kids. I'm also gonna reach out to David Brock Smith. He is uh, affiliated with the Southwest Oregon Children's Foundation. And I'm gonna ask him to help me fund phase two of my program. And uh, I'm confident that uh, he will work with me to do that. Thank you. Okay. Next question is for 
County Commissioner candidates, and I'm gonna start with you, Brad, and then to Beth. And the question is, how do you plan on balancing the budget and eliminate the deficit? Please be specific. Okay, so uh, the, the being on the budget committee, the, the first thing that we need to do is stop using the road funds. The road fund reserve is basically our county's savings account, and we have to stop do that. We, we have to. If we continue to dip into that, uh, we will not have a sheriff's department in a few years. So we've got to stop. Now, how do we do that? How do we get to that point? So I have a long-term plan. My long-term plan is to look back historically on what worked before. Well, that was logging. So we need to get back to what we were doing before, and that's going through David Brocksmith and the ONC and advocate. If we could just get 30% of our logging back, it would pay for our sheriff's department completely. The answer is not in property taxes. The answer is we, we've explored the potential to tax uh, with, a, with a, a consumption tax, and it, it's, it's not working. We may need to look at a bridge the gap solution, but before we do that, uh, and I say bridge the gap solution, I'm talking about potentially a levy, but before we do that, we need as a community to determine the level of law enforcement service uh, that we need. If we can fund our sheriff's department independently, which is my plan, it will free up all the other money for other county services and it will improve those services. And that's the very first thing that I plan to do when I get in office, is start working towards that goal. So um, right out the gate, we need to live within our means. We need to take a look at each department and whether or not there's been any recent expansion, is that expansion is impacting our general fund, then we need to take a good look at that and determine whether or not we can afford to continue to fund that expansion, or do we need to live, again, live within our means? Um, you, the budget gap is, is tremendous, and I too say, hands off the road funds. It's not that I don't want to or we shouldn't, I won't vote to use road funds to, to close our budget gap. It's just, we're just going in the hole. When we have a bridge go out, when we have a major roads project, we will not have the local match required to bring the monies into Curry County to make those repairs. We, those of you remember sinkhole just not long ago, just down the road, and we had who's Canadian that slid. <laughs> we, have, um, we have problems here, and we have uh, unstable ground, and so we've got to hang on to those road funds. So again, I would scrub, I would look at each department and determine which departments can, can handle taking a cut, because that's where we're at. We have to live with, within our means. Thank you. The next question is for the state representative candidates here, and we'll start with Brett and then um, David. The question is, fentanyl, mental health, and substance abuse continue to deplete our workforce while increasing overdose deaths and homelessness. What will you do immediately to lobby Salem in cracking down on drugs coming across our southern border and advocate for state treatment facilities in being a priority at places like Shutter Creek? So first I want to clarify, which southern border are you talking about? The California border or the Mexican border? 
because I can't do anything about the Mexican border. I'm assuming it would be our southern border. I'll go with the, or- with the Oregon-California southern border. I think I'm going to have to address that from the sense of using some of our existing law enforcement and using what we have set aside to become our, our mental health support here. I know there's been money put out and there is money funded for us. We need to prop up places to put that. So we've got to start working on, on the infrastructure for these things. Uh, I know that there are programs specifically in the county that help to re- reduce some of the impact on people who use these drugs and have issues with substance abuse, that I think that those can be expanded. It would help us to reduce some of our expenses into the medical community if we can stop and reduce some of that impact before it even occurs. Thank you. Um, I was just having a conversation with my friend James about this not an hour and a half ago. Um, and in my caucus, and well, actually in the House of Representatives, they always jokingly say, well, DBS has a bill for that, and I have a bill for this. Um, and it really focuses on um, a Southern Oregon pilot project with regards to how we deal with mental and behavioral health programs in the space of uh, substance abuse. Um, about three months ago, two and a half, three months ago, there was an issue with uh, Sheriff. Uh, there was an issue where um, Bay Area Hospital was going to close their uh, behavioral mental health program. Um, now that might, what, what does that mean down here for Brookings? Well, we utilize those services for folks that we need to send north. But really the problem is, is the state hospital has failed in their, in their uh, treatment. Um, the Bay Area is holding people for three, four months and they're only supposed to be there for maybe two to three weeks. And so I put all of these folks in a room, we got them the $2 million to keep it open and said, you're all smarter than me. We need to come up with a piece of legislation and that's what we're doing and we're gonna create a Southern Oregon partnership. Aside from that, we need to fully fund our state police. And I know that my colleague, Christine Drazen, has a plan for all of this as well, so that we can give the resources uh, when she's governor uh, to our public safety officers to help. Thank you. All right, the next question is for the three mayoral candidates, and I'm gonna have Anthony start, Michelle, and then Ron. And the question is, Brookings City manager Janelle Howard has been accused three times for theft, prosecuted twice, um, the latest a trial now pending. What are the plans for a citywide financial audit to determine if the city's financials are in order? First of all, she hasn't been convicted. So until that occurs, nothing. Once that occurs, if there has been proven something wrong, then yeah, we're gonna have to conduct a complete audit from top to bottom. But until there's a conviction and proven that she's done something wrong, I'm not gonna hold anything against her for it. She'll retain her position. Michelle? So, could I hear the question again? Okay. Um, Brookings City Manager Janelle Howard has been accused three times for theft, prosecuted twice, 
the latest, a trial now pending. What are the plans for a citywide financial audit to determine if the city's finances are in order? Okay, so clearly I have no idea what the city's uh, intent is at this point, because I'm not part of the city yet. Um, I would think that that would be the prudent thing to do, um, to do a complete audit, to make sure that we don't have some issues that we are not sure of. Um, I can only hope that the current city council will um, not want to put somebody who's been arrested for theft more than once um, back in charge of our money. But uh, at, at this point, I have no say over that, so I don't know. The question has a couple of mistakes in it. Uh, I hope you guys all realize that this is a subject that's very dear to me. And, uh, and I will also say that if you don't understand that government employees have rights to privacy and there's confidentiality in which we can't even talk about nor even approach. Uh, but I will answer the question about an audit. The state requires the city to be audited every year. We have retained an auditor and uh, I met with the auditor just last week and we discussed issues that are going on in the city. I have no issues in the finance, but if they find anything, they will be telling us about it. Uh, we've had a clean record for uh, as long as I can, re as long as uh, Janelle Howard has been our finance director, we've had an absolutely spotless and clean audit. Next question is going to be for the city um, council candidates and the mayor candidates as well. So what I'm going to have is I'm going to have you, Diane, start, and uh, we'll just go down the line here. So the question is, I would love to see an indoor pool and wonder if this is truly doable or far down on the list of needs that this community can afford. Seniors would love access to a gentle exercise program for many health reasons. So obviously I can't speak to this as a city councilor because I'm not on there yet, but I can say um, I worked at the Rogue Valley YMCA for five years. It was one of the best jobs I had, which is why I was there for so long. And one of the biggest attractions was the pool. Um, when it was broken, we had lines outside. And so I know in this community, our pool has been a longstanding um, kind of center for some of the families here, including my own. Uh, we live right next to the pool. I also understand that there was um, a, a vote that was passed that, I'm sorry, that was not passed in order for a special recreation district to form and create an indoor pool or create a community center. I, was, I voted for that. I'm very much in favor of uh, indoor recreation center. The YMCA in Medford is not just, it's not a gym. It's a community center, and there are people from all walks of life that go there, people from all nationalities. I even learned Spanish because they didn't have a translator. Um, so I, I absolutely think that an indoor pool is something that we should have here. I would love to see it. I'm not sure how um, 
that would come about with city council considering the vote was denied, but uh, it's certainly something that would be on my list. Growing up in Brookings, I always thought we should have an indoor pool. Uh, we're, we're surrounded by so much water, the, um, the Chaco River, the ocean. Um, fortunately, we haven't heard of any drownings uh, recently, but I remember in the, in the years growing up in Brookings, there were several instances of kids who couldn't swim and, uh, and drown. Uh, the big problem is how do you pay for a, an indoor pool? But as a council member, uh, I would be committed to trying to secure funds and look for funds to, to build an indoor pool in Brookings or modify the, um, the pool. Um, the, the big issue is what do you take away from to pay for that? But uh, I think uh, obviously an indoor pool would be great in Brookings. I have been hoping for a indoor pool since I was a young man. Uh, having been on the city council, I can tell you there's three issues with that, and it's funding, funding, and funding, of course. Um, I worked with the last group, Brookings Harbor Aquatics, uh, attempting to come up with some ideas. Uh, they had a building plan that was around $15 million and, uh, and they asked the uh, citizens to vote in a uh, parks, le uh, parks levy. It failed. So I'm back at it trying to come up with ideas on what we can do to fund building something that we can start out with. And if we improve it and increase it as the years go, that would be fine too. But let's at least get the thing covered. I believe the seniors of this community want to continue swimming far into the fall and in the spring and need a covered pool. I also happen to uh, believe that we need an indoor pool, but I actually had uh, a little bit greater ambitions for a more of a community center that includes that pool. I think one is needed in this town. This town's big enough for it. Um, as far as what Ron said, and many others, it's funding, 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 but apparently the feds will be handing down some more money here pretty quick, so I think that's something we might want to look at. So I was uh, briefly on the committee, the uh, Friends of the Brookings Harbor Aquatic Center, um, and they worked really, really, really hard. Uh, the problem is that when that went out for a vote about forming a parks district. It, it really wasn't clear. I think the voters did not actually know what they were voting on. Um, there is money out there. there. There's money out there for anything that you want to do. It's a question of locating the money, but it's there. People that I've been talking to say that money lays on the table because there are, there's nobody there putting their hand out saying, Curry County would like this, or Brookings would like this. Money is left laying on the table. And I believe that for the health and well-being of all of us, we need to have a rec center that we can participate and play in and exercise in year-round. Because you can't count on summer here. 
Sometimes we have summer and sometimes we don't. So yes, I absolutely would support an aquatic center and would make that one of my things. Hello, um, I also would support an aquatic center and a recreation center and um, I think our community would benefit greatly for, from it. Um, as everyone else has said, it's a funding issue. It went out to vote. We had a group that worked on it for years before it went to that vote to make sure that it was ready to go and they had everything researched and, and it didn't pass. And so I think everyone on the council would like to provide that for our community. If money becomes available, I would be happy to earmark it for that. It's just that to this point, we haven't found the money to do it without that um, levy passing. So would I like to have one in the future? Absolutely. And I hope it does happen. And I will do my best to identify the money if it, if it um, becomes available for that purpose. Everybody supports a pool. <laughs> but who's gonna pay for it? The city got almost a million dollars for COVID money. I don't know the exact number. And there's a lot of grants out there that if you put part in, they'll put part in. I ran for office for mayor against Mayor Peeper four years ago. I went door to door with flyers and I talked to people. And everybody in this town does want a pool. But the city council, and I have been going to most city council meetings or watching them for many years now, they just don't want to allocate the money. But when it comes to adding an extra police officer, we find the money. So it's choices, and it's who you vote for. And I don't like to go on the negative, but the current city councilors that's setting up here have not proposed using any COVID money for a pool. And yet everybody in this community wants it. And that's a good COVID thing, right? Exercise and being able to get out. At least put a cover on the current pool and expand the hours. Yes, it costs money. It costs money to run a business, but you're here to serve the people. Young, old, we should be able to come together and agree that this is a priority for this community. So I think there's many, and I think it's choices. The question, the question now is for everyone, and I'm gonna start over here with you, Brad, and then we'll just go down the list again. The question is for everyone, what sort of policies would you put in place to mitigate the coming effects of climate change? And this came up a few times, so basically, this is the question. All right, so, uh climate change. I'm just going to address the elephant in the room, which is the wind project for our coastline. Um, everybody is aware of what that is. Uh, it is proposed. I'm going to tell you right now that I do not support that in any way. I do not want to see windmills in our ocean. 
and I do not want to see what the impacts of that will be. I don't want to see the effects that it will have on our fishing industry and our tourism and how that will impact our small businesses. There's no way that you put 400 miles of cable in our ocean and windmills that are floating and it doesn't damage our, our fish and our ecosystem out there. There's absolutely no way. And the other thing is this. Do you know what Curry County gets from that? Nothing. Nothing. We don't get the electricity that comes from it, and um, we get no franchise fee. We get no funding from it. I've heard at the presentations that I've attended that there may be an opportunity for some jobs, but I wonder if that's going to be local jobs or if the industry is going to bring in professionals from outside the area. When I said I want to protect Curry County, that's one of the things that I want to protect is this beautiful place in our environment. Thank you for that question, and um, I will ditto what my opponent said. I, too, have gone to meetings. I do not want to see windmills off our shoreline. I may have a D after my name, but you have to understand I, I live in the middle. I'm not um, um, someone who's going to, ooh, wind energy. It's, that's going to reduce our carbon footprint. That's wonderful. No, I'm too concerned with... The, mitiga the mitigation that we'll have to live with and deal with and pay for moving forward. Um, our fisheries are loud and proud and saying, no, not here, and we have to listen to them. I think that Boehm and Big Energy looked at Curry County and said there's only 22 or 23,000 people that live there. We can, we can make this happen whether they want it to or not. They don't have enough population to push back. And, and I take, I'm offended by that. We should not have the offshore wind project that's being proposed. What I would like to see, though, on the positive side, is maybe more e-vehicle charging stations. We see a lot of Teslas on our highway coming through our community. I have relatives that have um, e-vehicles, and they come to visit, and they, they would like to see a charging station somewhere in Curry County, much like what's up in Bandon, um, to charge most multiple vehicles. So thanks. I would say that for climate change, the biggest thing we need to worry about in Curry County, there's lots of things, but the main thing is our water supply. It's been good, Chetco River, Rogue River, but things can change drastically. And I would like to see more preparation, more proactive work on really studying where our water supply sits right now and where it could be in 10 years. I also think that we are, I really hate to go back to housing all the time and I'm not trying to find a reason to, but we're gonna have climate refugees here from California. Not just when their houses burn up with fire, but when they get tired of how much drought there is down there. We're just across the border. Let's talk about that southern border again. And a lot of you in this room moved here from California. Some of you up here moved here from California. So climate refugees, I think, is also a really important thing to be aware of, talk about it. 
and what are we going to do about it? We keep having people move here and drive up house prices, just like I did six and a half years ago. Sorry, guys, but now I love it and I'm staying. But I want to be part of the solution. And we are going to have people moving here in even bigger droves with bigger bucks. And it's not going to stop. Um, I'm going to agree with a couple of the other um, candidates, and I do not support the windmills um, in our coastline. Um, I'm, it's important to me that when we look for solutions for climate change or any other issue that we're having, that the solution doesn't create more issues than we had before we started. Um, right now, we don't know so many things about what those windmills would do how it would affect our fish life, how it would affect our weather, how it would affect um, migrating whales or the spawning of our salmon. And um, without knowing the answers to those questions, I just don't see how we could consider putting um, that kind of um, structure in our ocean. So um, I'm all for renewable energy, absolutely, but um, not at the cost of our ocean or our wildlife. I think it's remarkable that you think we can affect climate change. <laughs> I don't think we're that big yet, okay? But, um, and the other remarkable thing is actually that, that it sounds like the people here believe that there is such a thing. So that, that makes me very happy. Um, so e-stations, of course, um, because converting to electric cars is, is the way we're going. Um, it, it's also important to remember that the, the forest um, is really in not great shape. I mean, we really need to do something about making sure that that forest is kept in the best condition that it possibly can, because we all know what happened with the Chetco Bar fire and how close it came. We don't want to go through that again. And that is all part and parcel of what the climate change issues are. And Teresa is absolutely right. We are going to have people flooding here from the places that are not habitable anymore. So we do need to think about housing. That has to be a prime concern. Okay, so I'll just say it. I'm one of those deniers. I just figured I'd let it go. Okay? Yeah. No, I think there's a difference between environmentalism and environmental quality. I don't happen to believe in climate change. The climate has changed on this planet for 4.6 billion years, and it'll change for another 4.6 billion years. However, the environmental qualities have improved, especially over my lifetime. Windmills cost more to produce and run than they will ever benefit. That's a fact. Just like electric cars currently produce three times more pollution than a gas car during their production. That's a fact. Do we need charging stations? Sure, people have already decided that they're gonna buy electric cars. Put the charging stations in, get them charged. But there's so many other options that have been opened up for power supply, such as portable nuclear reactors, 
Many of those are currently available. They're the size of a truck. Can be parked anywhere and provide power for literally hundreds of years. But we're not gonna explore that because it's not politically correct. So again, as far as any plans that I have, none. The current environmental quality reviews are more than adequate. have an effect on uh, global climate change from the Brookings seat. Uh, I have mentioned in the past that uh, the Bonneville project, which created a lot of green energy, built the Pacific Northwest the way it is today. I think that probably we're getting very close to having uh, uh, some technology that's going to make electric cars more available and more affordable. And I think the Pacific Northwest is a good candidate for electric vehicles because you can charge your car at night when you're, everybody's off grid and that electricity is still there. It makes sense to me. However, like Brad said about the electricity that's gonna be generated from windmills is not going to be for the Pacific Northwest. It's to go back east where they don't have green energy and they're burning gas and oil and coal to recharge the possible electric vehicle. I think the Pacific Northwest is a great candidate for electric vehicle technology. So what specifically could the city of Brookings do to affect climate change? Could we raise a, a gas tax? Could we ban people from using chainsaws and lawnmowers? Could we say no new development? Uh, as a city council member, I wouldn't vote for any uh, increased regulation uh, dealing with climate change. And again, there's some people that they're not gonna vote for somebody with that stance, but so be it. Uh, another priority though with the city, uh, talking about um, water, uh, there was an effort a few years ago um, for a regional water supply uh, with the city of Brookings I believe the um, Harbor Water District wasn't in favor of joining with the city, but um, looking at a long-term uh, replacement for the um, for the pump station on the on both sides of the river and utilizing the um, Ferry Creek Reservoir. Um, so, you know, definitely as the city looks at the needed water supply of working with partners beyond the city of Brookings for a um, for a long-term. Uh, solution to, to uh, drinking water. So I actually thought about this question months ago when I was at the candidate forum for the uh, commissioners and thinking what can the city do to uh, help mitigate climate change and I kind of had the same thought walking away from that but in just sitting with people and talking with people I actually have realized that Obviously restricting rights is not the way to go towards climate change, but actually some of the actions taken by the current council have, have contributed to that change in a positive way. And one of those was changing the ordinance on what kind of flowers and things we can grow in our yard. And now we have an abundance, hopefully, of monarch butterflies coming back to our area. And that in and of itself is a small change that the city can do, so we can't affect global climate change, 
but we can we can take little actions in our own community and some of that means actually getting rid of some of those restrictions because government does tend to step in when there are issues that they don't see us handling well as a society and maybe that maybe some of those are the way but that also tends to restrict the free market and our own social moral fabric of community so we can take some of that back and as as a city council, there are changes that can be made to affect us here in this community. Maybe it won't affect California, maybe it won't affect Texas, but it'll affect here in Curry County and in Brookings, so. Hi, Brett Cecil again. Georgia, can I ask you to repeat that question? I think I may have lost the main point of it here. The question is, what sort of policies would you put in place to initiate the, com I'm sorry, to mitigate the coming effects of climate change. Thank you for that clarification. Um, I want to mention that I heard a lot of no's, <laughs> no's up here, what we're not going to do. We have to do all of it. We've got to explore everything that we possibly can. We have some clean green hydrogen capabilities and possibilities that are coming down the way. There are some ways of using our tides and currents to generate electricity, lots of things, and we're gonna have to do all of it. No one of them is gonna make us switch over. There's no switch to flip. We have to make transition. It isn't turning the light on and off. The transition is putting new things in place and building up to help us have a base of renewable energies that we can use moving into the future. This is gonna be a really long-term process for us to do. So I'm for any and all policies, and I think that we need to communicate amongst us as communities and as a state, as a nation, as a globe. We need to work together to figure out what these solutions are going to be. No's are easy, yeses are difficult. So I'd like to bring solutions rather than putting a roadblock in the way. So thank you for hearing me on that. So this is my wheelhouse in the legislature. I'm the, the lead Republican when it comes to uh, energy, environment, natural resources, and was the lead on uh, cap and trade. And, and ultimately we ended cap and trade. And if you look at the gas prices in California and look at the gas prices in Brookings, you can see the difference in what your gas would be. Uh, when the director of the DEQ was in front of me in committee and I said, if Oregon were to go to carbon zero tomorrow, what would impact would that have on the global climate issue and global carbon issue? And he said it would be imperceptible. But yet, I have passed, or drafted, not passed, but drafted policies. I have legislation that looks at the, that and at working with our federal forest and a federal government uh, in the uh, state uh, and having them look at the epidemic of trees. And I encourage everyone to go to YouTube and, 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 and search um, uh, Era of Megafire and listen to Dr. Hesburgh on this issue because the really the stored carbon out there is God's gift to this planet and what we can do with it. We sequester 31 million metric tons of carbon in our forest, but we burn it up. And then lastly, with policies, I tried to pass a policy that would have removed old cars from the metro area of Portland where all of this, uh, where all of this emissions are and actually increase the EV rebates but the Democrats refuse to allow a hearing on the bill because of the hypocrisy that really is about taking other people's money. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry I'm not able to get to all the questions that we have because now it's time for each candidate's two-minute closing statement. 
and I'm reversing the order of your opening statements. So for the Oregon State House District Number One, I'm going to have Brett Cecil go first for your two-minute statement, closing statement. Thank you, Georgia. Again, thank you, League of Women Voters, for putting all of this together for us. I'm kind of reworking my, my ideas, what I wanted to say in my closing statement tonight. Uh, we have a lot of representation that happens for us here. You're the citizens here in, in our city, in our county, in our state. We sit here as representatives of you, our representative democracy. I'm very concerned with some upcoming events that I see happening and things that we're going to be able to affect on our ballot. That we need to pay really close attention to the fact that our American democracy is under threat right now by some folks that don't want to believe that certain things have happened in history recently. I want to keep our American democracy. I want to be your representative and I want you to tell me what your needs are. I'm going to pledge here tonight that shall I be voted into office on November 8th that I will be holding town hall meetings throughout the district here in Curry County, here in Brookings, because I need to hear from you. I need to know what your needs are. And I think very often, and being a citizen in Curry County and in Port Orford, one of the reasons I got involved politically is because I feel like we have a lot of really smart people out here that have some really good ideas and our voices go unheard and unnoticed. So I want to work with you to make sure that your voices get heard in the district and in Salem and any place that we can affect change, that we can affect good things for us as people. So thank you for listening to me tonight. I'd appreciate your vote when it comes to November 8th. Brett Cecil. I'm your state representative on the ballot for Democratic. Well, it's been a privilege to be here this evening, and it's an honor to have uh, served in the House and represent all of you. Um, I work very hard uh, to try to listen to all issues, and um, in fact, I was talking to Carl earlier, and he told me that he was at an earlier event, and um, somebody uh, said, oh, that David Brock Smith is a rhino. Well, I do, I do have some of my Republican base that, that is upset because I do work across the aisle. Because working, we, we pretty much support about 96, 97% of the votes in Salem are unanimous. But there are some very contentious things that are very different. Um, and when it comes to those things, I am a strong Second Amendment supporter and did not support uh, you know, the, the, the gun bill with 554. I'm a, a, you know, I'm a pro-life uh, Republican. Uh, and these are contentious issues when it comes to legislation in the state that luckily city council and, and county commissioners don't have to deal with. Uh, but as Andy can tell you, he reached out to me and said, hey, there's an issue with the Marine Board. So we fixed the issue with the Marine Board. As the Port of Brookings Harbor had said, you know, we, we need some resources for our fueling dock. It's failing and it's falling into the, in the harbor. So we, I got, went, we went out and got the resources to fix that. We have, a, we have a fantastic Fifth Street Clinic here in Brookings that we've been able to work together to get an emergency department because people were dying in the parking lot. And I was able to get millions of dollars in resources for uh, the Curry Health Network and the Curry General Hospital, and now they're actually solvent and in the black and are gonna be able to provide even more services for all of you. 
I work hard to make sure that your voices are heard, and not only that, but that actions are taken so that healthcare, childcare, and other issues are, uh, are worked on and resources are brought to bear to help make that happen. So it's an honor to serve you. Look forward to doing so in the future. Thank you. Okay, um, Curry County Commissioner Candidates, we'll start with you, Beth. So um, I am a 2A supporter. I own a gun, and so I just want to clear the air. <laughs> Make sure you all know that. Um, but for three years here, I served as a CASA, court-appointed special advocate for children in foster care. I've gotten to see from the inside out some of the more difficult and complex social issues that we struggle with in Curry County. Um, I serve as the vice chair of the Regional Oregon Continuum of Care, which is a funding arm for community action agencies and nonprofits working with our children and with our um, folks that are experiencing extreme poverty and housing instability. And um, I currently serve as the vice chair of both community advisory councils, All Care and Advanced Health. We have voted to fund many youth-facing programs, Harmony and Me, the Curry Juvenile uh, Department, and other like programs. Um, I serve uh, as the, on the CBO, Community-Based Organization Statewide Advisory Board. Um, and again, I mentioned my emergency management experience that I bring to the table. Um, I'm a scrapper. I don't, I don't, if a barrier is in my way, I will figure out a way around it, under it, over it, whatever has to happen to address the issues that we have in our community. I'm a grant writer, I'm a project manager, I'm a project implementer. Um, I've brought, brought two other nonprofits on board. We have three community-based organizations that have poured close to a million dollars into Curry County responding to COVID, supporting households impacted by COVID. That money was spent right here in Curry County for the most part. And sometimes we had to go to Amazon, but for the, we were told by Oregon Health Authority, you spend that money in your community that, because the businesses need our help. And we did. Um, I hope that you'll consider me as a candidate. I think that I bring a lot of skills to the position that, is, that are needed in our community right now. Thank you. Whenever you apply for a job, you always list your references. And I want to tell you my references right now. These are people who are publicly endorsing me. I'm being endorsed by Curry County Sheriff John Ward. He's here in the back of the room. He's the chief a law enforcement officer in Curry County. I'm being endorsed by Commissioner Christopher Pash, by our county treasurer, David Barnes. He's also here tonight in the back of the room. I'm being endorsed by my fellow counselor and head of the Republican Party, Ed Schreiber. I think he's here tonight somewhere. Ed, are you here tonight? Uh, I'm being endorsed by local businessman Bill McNair. He's the owner of Jerry Jet, Jerry's Jet Boats in Gold Beach. I'm being endorsed by congressional candidate Alex Scarletos. And I'm being endorsed by Harbor Fire Chief McClintock. And the most significant endorsement I have, if you have questions about my character, my integrity, she's sitting right in the back of the room, and that's my wife, Jennifer Alcorn. And she'll tell you the truth. 
I told you in the beginning, and I'm going to tell you before, I, before I'm done. Every decision I make, every choice will be about your safety. It will be about, it will be about protecting the culture and the beauty of this place. It's why I came here. It's why most of you came here. It's what I know how to do. I have had a lifetime of serving and protecting my community, and it is what I'll do as a county commissioner. So before you vote, I would ask you to reach out to those who are publicly endorsing me and ask them why. A couple of them are here tonight before they leave. Ask Sheriff Ward, why are you endorsing this candidate? Ask David Barnes that. Thank you. Okay, now for the Brookings City mayor candidates, uh, Anthony Bond and then Ron and Candace. And you have two minutes. I don't have a list of endorsements. I got angry at a meeting, a town hall meeting that we had here over Project Turnkey and over what, the last nine, 10 years at my house dealing with homeless people on my property, some encounters being violent. And when I had the Oregon state representative sit there, and first of all, it was a lie. They said it was a domestic violence shelter. And then the Oregon state representative said that the people in the city of Brookings had no say in this project turnkey being put into this town. Didn't matter what we said. And then to find out after that that it was really a homeless shelter that made me angry, made me run for mayor. The whole point of this is, I, if you guys want the homeless here, you guys want the project turnkey here, that's great. Go right ahead, vote for either one of these two candidates. I'm sure they'll do their part make it happen, try to make it happen safely. But in this current environment that we have right now, the homeless people are the number one issue. And I am doing this to stop Project Turnkey from coming into this town. It was a lie to begin with. It was never about a domestic violence shelter. It was a mount of hypocrisy. Supposedly, this Project Turnkey is gonna take over 40 units of affordable housing. They're gonna kick the people living in affordable housing out to put homeless in. Obviously, that makes me angry. So if you support me, great. Please vote for me on November 8th. If not, hey, you have two other fine candidates here that you can vote for. Thank you. Ron? Um, in 2000 and um, about 17, I guess, a dear friend of mine that was on the city council came to me and said he'd like to, be the, like to make a run for mayor. And uh, I thought he'd be a great candidate. He had a lot of experience as a city councilor, and he was ready to step into the seat. And I promised him that I'd just step back and he could make a run by himself. Now, I took about a year off, and then I came back onto the council, ran for election, and was reelected. Later on, my friend, for personal reasons, resigned, and I was endorsed by the city council at that time pressed me to go in and take the mayor's seat. And, uh, and there I am now. I think I've got another two years in me. Uh, I'd, like to <clears throat> I'd like to stay active. <clears throat> we have just taken out about a 20, 30, I think it's a close to $30 million grant and loan from USDA, low interest loan. 
we've had projects in this city that have been neglected for 30 some years probably at least because our infrastructures were underfunded and maintenance deficit I have tried to turn that around the whole time I've been on the City Council and we've made some good strides this new loan is going to finish it off I'd like to be a part of that and meet the goals that were set 15 years ago I appreciate your vote thank you I want to thank the League of Women Voters for doing this, um, particularly Georgia and Dennis. Um, and thanks to each and every single one of you that gave up part of your day to come and participate in our government, because that's what we do here, right? Um, in closing, I want to say again that I love this community. I wanted to move here precisely because the people who live here are so friendly, so caring, and happy to help you if and when you need help. I've never lived in a more generous and welcoming place, and I want to preserve that. I want to help us get past the anger and the insults to solve the issues that cause fear and frustration rather than just kicking the can down the road for someone else to deal with. I want to help us remember that we are not without resources. Find and identify those resources, maybe by coming at the issue from, I don't know, a different perspective. And incorporate those resources into our community to make us stronger, more resilient to natural disasters, as well as fluctuating economic markets, and open up new opportunities for us, for our children, and for their children. We can do it. It takes a willingness to think outside the box, to listen carefully to those who don't share your perspective, and to imagine a future that doesn't pit us against each other, but rewards us for collaborating and granting each other unearned and often unasked for grace. We can do it. We can get past all the vitriol and chest beating. It will be your choice to move forward with a renewed commitment to see the best in each other and working together to build our future or keep going down the same road. I hope you choose wisely. Thank you. Okay, now for um, Brooklyn City Council position number three, we'll start with Diane and then Andy. Got my on. Um, so I'm really, really am happy to see everybody here, even the people who won't vote for me. Um, but it's a little bit bittersweet because I tried so hard to get some of the people my own age to come. My generation doesn't get involved as much, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it does have to do with childcare. Some of it has to do with economic issues. Um, I actually am grateful that there's another candidate up here who has young children. It just happens to be the one I'm running against. But it, nonetheless, my generation doesn't get involved in politics. I've lived here my entire life, and when I was a young adult here, I, I mean, I'm still somewhat of a young adult, I like to think, but 
When I was younger, when I was becoming an adult, um, I thought it was really important to vote, but I didn't understand any of the politics and I didn't understand any of these issues. I would, couldn't have told you who was on city council. I really didn't care. Um, but I'm here. One of the reasons that I'm here and one of the main reasons is for representation. Um, I see a gap and when there are gaps in representation and when sections of the community don't get involved, we all suffer. Um, there are groups in our community that don't have a sense of belonging and thus do not feel motivated to contribute. Uh, these are the groups I'm closest to and I want to bring into the conversation. I want our government to adequately represent its citizens and currently we are not doing a good job of that. Uh, I do understand economics, not just in the study of it, but in the presence here in this community. I understand for-profit, non-profit, and government organizations and how they contribute to the economy. Um, I run a nonprofit organization in this community and founded it specifically because my commitment to this community, my commitment to spending my energy working to improve this community as a young adult is, I think, unparalleled in some sense. And I really want to spend more time committed to this community. Thank you. So a couple years ago, I saw firsthand how decisions by local governments and state governments can devastate a local business. Uh, right before spring break in 2020, a bunch of restaurants in Brookings ordered all their food items for spring break. And then, like on a Thursday, they found out, hey, you're shutting down. Nobody can come into your uh, business to eat. At uh, the same time, the city of Brookings closed the motels. No, no visitors allowed in motels. The county did the same thing. Um, no feedback from locals, um, uh, uh, executive orders from the governor, um, not a lot of transparency. So I, uh, I complained to the city. I complained to the county, super, the county commissioners. Uh, I wrote lots of letters to Representative David Brock Smith. Uh, a few months later, uh, the former uh, mayor, or the previous mayor, uh, who had been his ear a lot, uh, he decided to go on a fishing trip with me. So I took him down the Smith River. And for eight hours, I railed on him about the government restrictions on small businesses. Uh, at the end of the trip, he said, have you ever thought about running for city government? So anyways, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm running for city council. I think it's important that the city have a diverse council. Some, some members may be retired, somebody uh, uh, may work. Um, as a medical professional or an insurance agent, um, but I think small business representation is important. I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and go to work. I work for myself, but if I don't go to work, I don't make any money. I know what it's like to manage a budget and to make smart decisions that if you, if you make the wrong decision, you're not gonna be in business anymore. And I think that it's real important that the city of Brookings have some, has somebody on the council who understands what it's like to operate a small business, um, not just working for a government agency or a nonprofit. So Andy Martin, over me. Brookings City Council position number four, Teresa, you go first. Uh, Ron mentioned the big loan and the projects that the city of Brookings is going to be able to take on. And I had that on my notes as a very important aspect. My financial background is extensive. Forensic auditing of numbers, I'm a numbers geek. 
My husband, poor guy, we're watching TV, there's a graph, pause, I gotta study it. I've gotta look at this angle, this angle. I love numbers and I see things in them. And the city of Brookings is, getting on, is taking on $30 million grant slash loan. That's gonna be paid back over 40 years. And if we do not have somebody on the city council talk about representation, that knows how to dig into those numbers. We're gonna be at the mercy of whoever is the city manager to give us the numbers and they look good. Well, that's not okay sometimes. We need people that really understand this. And Ron understands a lot of it. He's been on there for a long time. I do worry about that $30 million not being spent in the best way for the city of Brookings. And with a new city manager, perhaps, we don't know and I'm not gonna speculate, but our financial situation at the city, it's been good. Gary Milliman was fantastic. We have a good base. We are the best government in the county. Sorry county people that are here, but we are. We get our budget balanced. That could change pretty drastically, and we might have to choose a new city manager. That's really important. And follow the money. We all know that. It's always about the money. But we've got to make the money work the best for the people. So I hope you vote for me. Thank you. And my cards are back on the back table, and I've got my information on there. You can contact me later. In closing, I'd like to talk briefly about some of the things I've accomplished as a city councilor. Through my input and voting on the council, I believe I've made a positive impact on our city. I've contributed to public safety by supporting, through pol su supporting our police through policy and funding. I voted for many resolutions that have improved and grown our infrastructure of streets, water, wastewater, parks, and recreation. And this infrastructure work is going to be critical to us being able to address our housing issues. Without the infrastructure growing, we can't put the additional 500 or 600 homes that we need in this area. We have to do the infrastructure work first to, to be able to address that issue. And that's what that $30,000 loan is really focused on. That's what it's for, is creating that infrastructure that's needed. I also think that my knowledge and experience as a real estate agent will be valuable to our council in addressing our housing issues. I can offer perspective and information that the council might not otherwise have as we figure out solutions for that. I've also served on the city's facade improvement program um, committee, and we've approved several, which I'm sure you've all noticed, um, projects in the downtown area. A lot of the businesses have taken advantage of that, and, and um, it's looking really, really nice down there. Um, so finally, I'll say I have a track record of supporting public safety, housing, and local businesses. I will continue to do that if elected.
This completes tonight's candidate forums. Thank you for coming. We thank the Chetco Community Public Library for the use of the room. Again, this recording will be available on currycountyvoices.com and lwbcurry.org. So let's give a round of applause for the candidates. There's time to talk with the candidates now, if you wish. Again, thank you.